Hello, Acaville Radio, and welcome to another new episode of Tacapella, a podcast for the acapella community where we examine the culture as well as the ins and outs of vocal music, along with the people who are working to shape it. I am your host, Alicia Edwards, and I am without a co-host once again. So you're here with me, myself, and I, so when I start referring to we, that's who we're talking about. Before we get started and, and introduce our guest this evening, I want to share a little bit of information about an email we received from a former former guest. Several months back, Brian and I had the opportunity to chat with Squad Harmonics, which is a youth program for acapella out of California, and their fearless leader, Laura Saggers. And I love seeing young individuals in acapella because I can just see that the future has so much promise and it is so bright. So they've been getting some work done. And even though Halloween is over, much to my dismay, they have two new spooky releases that you need to check out. They have what's called a medley for muggles for all you Harry Potter fans out there and Agatha all along for those of you who love Marvel as much as I do. If you haven't already, please go check them out. You can find them on YouTube as well as all streaming platforms. That's Squad Harmonics. H-A-R-M-O-N-I-X. And now we're going to get to the flip side of acapella because I love post-collegiate groups. I love seeing youth performers in acapella, but I also really love post-collegiate groups because really... That's where the majority of my acapella experience has been. So a couple weeks ago, if you if you caught our episode, our guest Robert Lee talked about an amazing nonprofit called Techapella. And they, I mean, we're gonna, I'm not going to tell you too much about them right now and spoil the rest of the episode, but we have joining us tonight is none other than the founder and CEO of Techapella, Lindsay Alford. Lindsay, how are you this evening? Hello, I'm doing wonderful and I just, this feels so official and exciting. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm. Thank you for coming. I'm so excited. So I know you're the founder, like I said, and CEO of Techapella, not to be confused with Tacapella. If I, my little bit of research that I found, you used to be a member of Gugapella or you still are? Uh, still a current member. Yes. Still a current member. Awesome. So I don't know much about you, so I'm asking this question just as much for myself as I am for our guests. Can you you tell me about your musical background and how you initially got involved in acapella? Absolutely. I started in middle school and high school choirs. Okay. They were a lot of fun, but certainly I was not in the, the top ranks of any of our choirs, <laughs> to be sure. I'm a background singer through and through, and I really appreciate and value that piece. It's um, so important. It's important. You gotta have you gotta have totally the harmonies, is. you gotta have the, the backing Absolutely. tracks. Go everybody who's never been a soloist. Well blend. Blend is so important. <laughs> and if you don't have the voices to blend, it doesn't matter how good your solo is. Totally. And you're <laughs> speaking to my little alto heart right now. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so hi you know, the good old education system, honestly, I owe so much to the community of friends and educators who had these programs accessible in, you know, my, my public school education. I actually didn't do acapella or really any type of organized okay. singing in college, which okay. I think is where a lot of people get their exposure to acapella in places. I did not. I, I think college was weird. It was four years of a <laughs> giant blur, but I missed it. And I actually, funny enough, you know, when I came into my professional career and most specifically when I started my tenure at Google as an employee, mm -hmm. that was when I had my first real exposure to a purely acapella-based singing group. And Gugapella actually was founded. There was a brief hiatus, but refounded for the second time in 2011. And I was part of okay. that originating class. Oh, awesome. That is really cool. So I, I really love this because we don't really get to talk to many people who didn't have exposure to collegiate acapella. I almost missed it. I was in my group just for one year and I was a second year grad student. So I was graduated and I did not want to go back to get a PhD. So I was like, <laughs> I, I think I think I'll call it good. I mean, really, we're here to talk about Techapella. So can you tell me how Techapella got started? From what I have gathered online, that there's 18 groups from large companies in the Bay Area, which is wildly impressive to me. So what's the story? Yeah. Techapella, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention two people who were, I would say, truly, truly the founders of Techapella 
the first iteration, and that is um, Lali Zhang and Aaron Rohn. They were the music directors at the time, back in 2013, for the Facebook group, The Vocal Network, and Google's group, Gugapella. And at that point, both groups were relatively new. Maybe, you know, we had formed a year plus beforehand. And as it is in the Bay Area and, and with a lot of tech companies, there's a lot of cross-pollination of people mm-hmm. across companies. And so we had friends who were in the respective groups. Lali actually used to be in Gugapella and then founded the Vocal Network when he okay. went to Facebook. So Okay, okay. We missed each other. We wanted to sing with each other. And we said, why don't we do a holiday concert? And that was it. We hosted one at Google and then one at Facebook. And they were both super successful. They were cheesy, which is exactly what they needed to be. (laughs) And we realized that this was something that could be a really fun tradition for us. And then it ended up exploding over the last or the the next several years into becoming Mm -hmm. not just tradition for us, but for new groups to be founded, for our friends and family to come see us perform Mm -hmm. and eventually start building an actual network of fans that are are just outside of, you know, the traditional, like I'm forcing my husband to come see me sing, right? (laughs) But people who like legitimately wanted to get a ticket to this show. So over the course of, of eight years, we helped either from just encouragement and words of wisdom all the way through to actual formation and music direction support, bringing in sheet music for groups all over the Bay to form. And right now, you're right, we have 18, I think maybe 19 pre-pandemic official groups. And (laughs) probably, I think, about four or five that were in the wings, as we were calling them, like groups that were trying to form. They wanted some support in how that happened, how they can form, Mm -hmm. how they can be a part of Techapella. So we were really, really fortunate to just have so many people that wanted to participate and really make the show what it is today. I love that. That's awesome. So because you've mentioned it, I have to ask. I was watching last night the live stream of your 2019 Techapella end of year showcase concert. And you mentioned that Techapella helps start groups at other companies if that if there's an interest in that. So I'm curious, what does that look like? How do you know? Do you just have individuals reach out to you say, hey, I want to start this at my company? And what kind of support do you offer for that? It's a great question. And and the reality is it was a fledgling offering and something that was really grassroots. Our goal was to just start the conversation and make it easy for people to reach out and not be afraid that they had to have everything lined up and perfect before they hit go. And our process was really just let's chat. Right. You know, if it Mm -hmm. is more about building the community and development, like I was going to jump in. I know if there were questions around, you know, music directing and how do I pick repertoire? Robert was ready to step in and give some guidance. But truly, it was more about offering confidence and wisdom on how to just make it fun and engaging and not necessarily a pre-built, like, here's your 50-page document. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it was new for us. If the pandemic hadn't changed a lot of things, I would have liked to (laughs) continue down that train and see how we might be able to make it a bit more of a scalable and accessible, like, self-serve offering, if you Mm -hmm. will, so that it could be distributed more easily. And it's not just to have a conversation if that's not accessible to everybody. But it was fun. We got to talk with so many people who just reached out and said they ranged the, the spectrum from, hey, I just moved to the Bay Area and I just started at my company and I don't even know how to navigate to find out if we have a group or, you know, auditioning, like, can you help me with that? All the way to people who said, hey, I've been a music director at multiple different groups before. I know my company doesn't have one, but what do I need to be a part of Techapella? Because I'm going to start a group at my company. So that's awesome. Uh, so well, many different and you discussions. Guys have a lot of big companies, like obviously Google. We've mentioned Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, I think Cora. I, I want to say Ancestry.com even has one. The Chromatones. Or was it 20, 23, 23 and Me? 23andMe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I love it. 
I love it. That's amazing. And and I really love being able to talk to individuals who do have their career that's not really like I mean I work in human resources so <laughs> my career is anything but music and so I love knowing that I'm not alone in my passion for acapella so I, I think that's great was there ever a moment with techapella where you thought it wasn't going to gain traction never never you are so lucky and I say that because I I mean I started an acapella group actually my friend Brian who used to co-host with me we, we were the founding members. He's really the ringleader, but I get to say I was a founding member um, of an acapella group in Salt Lake City. And when he moved back to Texas, I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is just going to dwindle and die. And and actually the group is still active. They've taken a brief hiatus for the last few months, but they're looking to pick things back up in January. So I, it's really nice to kind of see that that has had that amount of success. And I mean, I really want to commend you with Techapella. Never a moment of doubt or not gaining traction. I just think that's so awesome. I am curious, how do you get buy-in from the corporate world or are your companies involved at all? Like, are there any like levels of sponsorships? I'm just curious as to how that works, if it is even like any sort of collaboration. Yeah, it's different based on every company and every group. And I would say, I mean, just to comment on kind of the, the first point that you made, we hit hurdles like everybody else and the pandemic certainly threw us for a loop and we might not be the exact same as we were pre-pandemic, but there's no doubt in my mind that there is a version of Techapella that works in this future world where our singers might be hybrid, right? They might not come to the office all the time. How do we expand this community beyond just the physical footprint of the Bay? I'm excited there. What that means to, to come back to your next, your other question is we have worked with different companies in a few different capacities. Some companies we found are directly involved in this acapella group, not necessarily from a brand setting or picking the music right, or anything right. like that, <laughs> but maybe their HR program or some of their other internal mm -hmm. culture programs may be either sponsoring them in some way. Maybe they get funding for, you know, hey, we want to have group t-shirts, right? And perhaps the company helps in that way or offers Now, space. I have to geek out for a quick second since, yeah. like I said, I do work in HR. I have so many, like, bells and whistles going off in my head telling me that this is like the, the acapella that's part of the company is probably what we in the HR world would refer to as an employee resource group because there's something you're passionate about. So not really acapella related, but just my little tidbit of HR knowledge coming out to play. Totally. We've actually encouraged a lot of people to potentially explore that path with their company okay. of being an ERG. Side note on that, what we've actually found, this is not an across the board at every company, but at many companies to essentially be approved as an official ERG at the company, mm -hmm. you have to be open access, meaning anybody can be okay. a member. Okay. So even with other groups that maybe are representative of a minority population, they mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. welcome members who are not from that either right. minority right. subset. Okay, okay. In acapella, if you have a group that entirely open, there tends to be more acceptance from the HR team about being an ERG. But mm -hmm. a lot of times these groups are audition based for right. a multitude that, of reasons. Okay. And then that gets kind of in this weird gray area of, well, can you okay. be an exclusive group, but then your company kind of still sponsor you in right. that way. And, and it definitely mm -hmm. gets a little dicey. Well, and you have multiple acapella groups within the same company. So yep. I, I want to say Google has more than just Googlepella. The other group is called Alphabet, which admittedly, okay. I think they have a better name than us, but you know what? They got to learn <laughs> from wisdom. So, you know, I, I'll give that to them. So pr pros and cons, pros and cons. Yeah. So again, with the whole like corporate setting, what do rehearsals look like? Is that something where you're given time like during the day? Is it something you have to juggle outside of the typical eight to five? What does that look like? Every group is a little bit different, but I would say generally, and this obviously is a bit biased to my experience in mm -hmm. Google a, a Google group, is there's a lot of encouragement for the work-life balance structure that works for you, right? right? And if we take any other type of like, let's say self-care activity, because I truly, mm -hmm. truly believe that like this type of community building and activity is an act of self-care. Absolutely. You know, if you 
went to the gym, right? A lot of companies in tech and in the Bay Area specifically have either gyms on campus or they encourage that okay. type of activity when it works for you. And so if you went mm -hmm. to the gym at lunch or, you know, you you did a, a class sometime else, people are, are very open to how you spend your time. Now, I can't mm -hmm. speak for every explicit culture of all of the companies, but I, I do right. think a lot of people have found different times of the day that work for all of their members. And it doesn't always mean that it is explicitly outside of working hours. And even in some cases, I know at Google and like at Facebook, the facilities teams and the teams that manage Google Spaces have mm -hmm. actually supported these types of programs by offering okay. spaces dedicated to music and arts so that there That's are rooms. Awesome. Yeah, that you that well, you, you don't have to book. worry about going to somebody's house. <laughs> totally. Or, you know, disturbing people who are working. You have a room that's actually oh, well right, built right. for music and can house these things. So there's a lot of support. There, there's, you know, more advocating that we can do to make that a more common amenity. But safe space is just mm -hmm. such a blessing and such a perk that, you know, I, I think we're, we're really lucky to have at these companies. I am so jealous because my company has nothing like that. I, I mean, I don't know what I was expecting. I work for a local government agency, which I love. <laughs> I love my job. Love my job. Love the people I work with. But I don't have anything like that at my office. Although I, I will say I've had some of my coworkers sometimes will just walk into my office and ask me to sing something. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to sing on command for you. You, sorry. <laughs> I'll sing with them if like happy birthday comes right. up or you'll throw some like, arms on that. <laughs> right. Or if they want to hear me sing, I send them like a YouTube video of my time in college or my time with my post-collegiate group. So it's, it's yes. been fun. I do want to talk a little bit about the showcase concert. So it's at the end of every year. I, I mean, obviously COVID threw a wrench in things, but Techapella has held a non-competitive showcase concert to highlight its members and help performers collaborate with one another. I in particular loved watching at the end of the show, you had all the groups come back on stage and everyone sang together. And I was like, how, how did you do that? But well, I guess that's my first question. How do you coordinate that number of people coming up on stage together and singing through this number together. Because you've got soloists from other groups as well. And so I'm sure there was a lot logistically that went into that. Oh, man. Yeah. It is an interesting labor of love. I would say <laughs> it's equal parts the logistics of the, the rehearsals and like day of planning. And also, you know, I'll give Robert a lot of credit here. It's also the right arrangement that is going to okay. be easy enough for a multitude of people to learn across companies, across skill sets, but a song that the audience is going to like and everybody is going to mm -hmm. enjoy singing. So I, I think picking the right song, it really truly sets us off on a good path. And then it's a matter of we rehearse only one time together before really? the show. Yeah. Oh, it's that's kind so of crazy. insane. So there's, there's a lot of prep work that we ask people to do. I mm -hmm. would say the reality is maybe a quarter of the people have looked at the sheet music <laughs> before the rehearsal. So then we're teaching people a song in a three or four hour rehearsal. And okay. it's a lot of me raising my voice like a second grade teacher. <laughs> I'm sure anybody who's been to that rehearsal is like, oh yeah, Lindsay's a crazy person. Um, <laughs> But we get it done. And the song is so much fun. Everyone sounds amazing. Our soloists mm -hmm. really step up. They're not just stepping up to like with their voice, but with practice time and being willing to be vulnerable in that moment of like not a song that you get to rehearse every week for a whole year, right? You're kind of doing it on the fly. And that's what makes it fun and exciting. And the moments where you're looking around at each other on stage, like, is this the right part? Are we at the bridge now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, cool, cool, cool. We're vamping. We're vamping. Let's go. Like, you well, just got to do say, it. I could not tell from watching the <laughs> stream. Goodness. I could not tell any of that was going on. It was very obvious that all of the members were having so much fun. And, and I just love, like I said earlier, I love seeing other professionals who have their own careers enjoying acapella. Like, now, I have so many more things I want to talk about, specifically, obviously, with acapella. But it is time for our first commercial break. But don't go anywhere, because we'll be right back to talk more acapella on acapella after this commercial break. You can get vocal perspective anywhere, but what about vocal perspective? Catch the talk show from the female point of view, bringing you the talented women of acapella. Hear these women's journeys and what amazing things they're up to now, both in front of and behind the mic. Vocal perspective airs Tuesday. 
Tuesdays at 9 p.m. East, 6 p.m. West, and Sundays at 10.30 p.m. East, 7.30 p.m. West. In Asia, it's on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Tokyo time, and in Europe, it's Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. London time. And welcome back to Tacapella. That's right. We are here talking with Lindsay Alford from Techapella and Google Pella, but we're, I mean, we really want to get down into the trenches talking about Techapella. So, Lindsay, I know in 2019, Techapella went from doing their end of year showcase, kind of transitioning the event to be more of like a festival type setting with classes. And there, I, I know there were green wristbands. I saw that on the live stream. <laughs> so, can you tell me what that transition looked like? What kinds of workshops or classes were included and what we can hope to expect from future Tecapella festivals? It was fun, but maybe we bit off more than we could chew, if I'm being really <laughs> honest. The impetus for the the transition in format was actually driven from the explosion of the number of groups that wanted to participate. Mm-hmm. In order for us to allow every group to have adequate stage time, right? Like you don't want to come in and just have one song. You want Mm -hmm. at least two or three or, you know, even four, depending on your group. For us to do that with 19 groups, the show would be five hours long. (laughs) Right. Well, and I I remember now, now that you're saying that, I remember watching and it was concert number two of the event. So yeah, I don't, I don't even, I didn't see all the groups. (laughs) Yeah. So there was a lot of debate on what the right way was to present every group, right? Do we Mm -hmm. limit groups to one? song? Do we not let every group perform? Do we spread it out across four or five different days of performances? Mm -hmm. But then that obviously gets into a lot of venue rental fees and all of the things. Right, right. So we kind of landed on this like festival style and it was our first attempt. It was a crazy day. I do honestly feel like it was the most equitable and fair for all of the groups and gave everyone the most exposure possible. So I'm sure some of them are groaning like, oh my God, this day was bananas. But (laughs) I hope everyone took away that the fact that everyone got equal stage time and the opportunity Mm -hmm. for their friends and family to see them the same way they would see Mm -hmm. any other group show up on stage. So from a moving forward, I don't know that my heart gravitates towards doing festival (laughs) format again, but it might still be the best option option if we can make the logistics of the day a little bit easier for both performers as well as our audience, right? There really Mm -hmm. truly are audience members who want to see everyone, which is incredible. But then how do we do that? So again, we're not having them sit for 10 hours in a day. So there will be a lot of debates. Really, if anybody is interested in event logistics management, please let me know. I would love some support. (laughs) I actually might have a suggestion. So I I don't, so I know you didn't do collegiate acapella, so I don't know how familiar you are with ICCA. Yeah, I found out about it after I watched Pitch Perfect for the first time with Google Pella and everyone, I was like, what is this that's happening? And they were like, who are you? Well, because I know with ICCA, it's really each group has I want to say it's something like eight minutes on stage and and that's the time that you have and if you were Mm -hmm. performing two songs if you're performing a mashup like and and it's not all mashups either like when we competed at ICCA I think we actually did four songs but they were very abbreviated versions of the songs wow and so we had like our opener we had a a second number we had a ballad and then we had our closer and so it was like a really really mini mini show but it, it was really fun and for us it was It was really, I mean, I will say, I love that you've taken the competition element out of your showcase because that adds a serious element of stress as a member that's singing. Yeah. So I know 2019 was probably the last time you had your showcase. Thank you, COVID. (laughs) So I'm I'm curious, what has Techapella done or what have the member groups done to stay engaged with one another? Yeah. Because I know that's something that's important to you guys. Absolutely. I would say the trend and and how everyone has fared the storm, if you will, has been different. Mm -hmm. In 2020, that was obviously the year, you know, we probably like a lot of people, we got to March and then April and we're like, oh, this is going to be over in a couple weeks. And and we just kept the the hope alive that, oh, we'll we'll definitely have a 2020 show. And as it became more apparent that that's clearly not where the world was going, we pivoted to 
digital. Uh, I think the way a mm-hmm. lot of groups did, and you know, we faced all the same challenges of asynchronous singing and latency issues and all of those mm-hmm. things. So some groups were able to do that, I think, more successfully than others. As okay. a Tecapella group, there was a cohort of singers who did put together a video and asynchronously recorded Cake by the mm-hmm. Ocean. It was uh-huh. a lot of fun and so much work went into it to make well, it happen. And, and I... I mean, I'm so jealous because you all work with tech companies. So I imagine that there's there's a skill set that you all have that I very clearly do not. Well, I 100% we definitely have a lot of really talented people. But there was a moment where we were like, hey, how to outsource this appropriately, right? Like, how do we ask mm-hmm. for volunteers from within the community? When do we need to bring in professionals in, you know, music and recording industry? And we were able to make it work with a, a group of volunteers from within Techapella, which is great, that's awesome. but that's a lot of time. Uh, I don't know anybody oh, on, oh, on the podcast who've put together a song plus a video mm-hmm. to align with it. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. It is way harder it's so, than so it time looks. intensive. Totally. Yeah, it was absolutely. a fun, it was a fun project. I'm super glad we did it. I, I think everybody who participated got a lot out of it but then we had the renewed optimism of 2021 like it's gonna get better (laughs) and shit hit the fan again I don't know I don't know if I can say that but but it meant there was kind of some hard conversations and introspection that needed to happen, not just from Techapella as an org, but each individual group and each individual singer on what was feasible. Like at this point in the pandemic, people's lives have changed. Like they just didn't put their life on hold and are going back to the exact same thing. So some groups did continue music making either digitally or in small, Mm -hmm. you know, they were like their pods of people. Most of them, I would say, maybe didn't fare that well and and we Mm -hmm. run a spectrum of groups who maybe are now mostly just social groups which is great Mm -hmm. that I'm so glad that they've stayed together I, I would say Gugapella has done that value each and every one of them love you Gugapella and then other groups that have quite honestly just disbanded and it it hurts my heart so much to think about that but honestly there was no right answer for anybody in that and and so whatever was the best decision at the time based on the information those groups had was the right decision there so Mm -hmm. I'm hoping as we come out of the pandemic knock on wood at least in California (laughs) where we're we're doing pretty good that we're able to either help reform some of those groups if the remnants are still there or potentially mm-hmm. get those people into other groups either at their company okay. or potentially other community groups so you know even thinking about like what does a techapella choir look like right if these people okay. aren't able to continue in a company-based group mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. thanks pandemic can we make this a stopgap or a bridge for them to continue practicing creativity and making music with a choir and a group of people that they're already kind of familiar with. That's awesome. I love that. Well, and and I gathered from looking at Techapella's website that you guys are very, I feel like some of the tenets of the organization are you're really passionate about creativity, about music and community. Like, Am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely. I, I think okay. all three of those things <laughs> are, sometimes they all can be used as buzzwords, right? I, I mean, mm-hmm. so much of mm-hmm. it is, is just what can you make sound snappy, but well, ultimately- Well, and there's a lot of overlap between them as well well. Totally. And in my mind, I know I think I said this a little bit earlier, and we haven't put this into our branding or or like the promotion that we use. But for me, all of those things ladder up to a well-being conversation, self-love and really finding that opportunity that something that resonates with you. And so that community, the bonding, the practicing of creativity, all of that is an act of self-care and well-being for people. Awesome. Thank you. So you talked about hopefully picking up remnants of groups that maybe haven't fared as well during the pandemic. You've mentioned that Gugapella has kind of at least stayed together like socially. So what does the future look like for Techapella in, in that aspect? Like picking up the pieces and, and just kind of moving forward. Fingers crossed that post-pandemic <laughs> is coming sooner rather than later with that. Sure. I really want the future of Techapella to be equal parts, the leadership kind of setting a vision, but also hearing from our members what is most valuable to them in this post-pandemic world. The value that Techapella has as an organization is mostly based on the value that these members bring, right? Techapella doesn't exist if 
singers don't want to sing in these groups, right? And oh, right, they don't right. have this passion. And so for me, I, I think the number one thing I can do as, you know, the executive director and, and the leader is to figure out how we make our internal community as strong as possible and a community that people want to be a part of. Because once we have that, the foundation is set for any vision that we want to tackle in the future, whether that is a choir of choirs, whether that uh -huh. is some type of community outreach with other partners like local arts education organizations or within our own corporate worlds, or even doing something that is a little bit more around mentorship and things like that. It doesn't have to be a one-for-one, one, like we only talk about music, right? Like mm -hmm. we're people, like this is an opportunity for us to start a conversation with another group or a subset of our community that maybe we wouldn't. And music is the common bonding point. So the possibilities are endless, which is both invigorating, but also that ambiguity can be a little scary, but oh, I'm- yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So I'm not in the Bay Area, states away, but <laughs> if there is someone in that area who wants to start an acapella group at their company, or maybe there's someone who's at a company that already has acapella, but they want to start a new group, who should they reach out to to get support from Techapella? Send me an email. You can find all of the email addresses of our company. They pretty much all come to me and Robert in some way, shape, <laughs> or form on our website, techapella.org, which we should have had two Ps in Techapella, but there's just <laughs> one P. So for anyone who's like, I'm not getting it, like maybe check the spelling. I'm very sorry. And then further from there, email me. It's lindsay at techapella.org. Lindsay with an A, not with an E. We want to hear from you. Like I said, it's grassroots and we just want to have a conversation and how can we be most helpful? Whether that is, yep, you're in Techapella. Like you asked and, <laughs> and great. Like there's no audition. There's no, you know, sign up form. There's no mm -hmm. nothing. Like just commit to being part of the community and you're in, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to start a group, we're happy to help with, you know, repertoire selection or how to set auditions. If you want to be an audition group, like where do you practice? When do you practice? All those things. We're happy to just have the discussion. And I would also say, even if you're not in the Bay Area, if you're anywhere else in the world, we're happy to have those conversations because why not have a Techapella showcase in New York? Why not have oh, a Techapella yeah. showcase in Colorado? Like why not mm -hmm. in any other place around the world? I think that would be a really beautiful long-term vision for it not just to be this Bay Area specific mm -hmm. techie bro culture thing, you know, it, it really <laughs> should be. How do we bring corporate music and arts communities together in a way that they can showcase the impact they've had on people's health and well-being and community bonding and everything around the world. I feel like we could say, and that's the episode and end there because you just like, we're on such a high right now, but there are some things I still want to talk a little yes. bit more about. So you mentioned something about community partners, and I know that Techapella has some partners in the Bay Area. From what I gather, there's an organization called Music for Minors, as well as the San Francisco Conservatory of Music Scholarship Fund. Can you tell us a little bit about these partners and how the partnerships between Techapella and them were established? Sure. So the biggest thing that happened for us was, I believe it was 2015, perhaps 2016, mm -hmm. years bleed together now. We had <laughs> our first show where we had tickets to the show. They were free, but we wanted okay. to do ticket reservations because we had so many people that wanted to come the year prior it was just open and they turned people away at the door because we were just at capacity oh, no. i know like how sad is that that's i mean that's a great problem to have but so <laughs> sad it was so sad so the following year we said okay we'll do ticket reservations but they'll be free and those sold out and then so the year after that we did ticket reservations and actually put a cost around it and what okay. we wanted to make sure happened is two big reasons we weren't an organization at that point we were a a community right. jam group essentially and so one <laughs> financially speaking we should not be collecting revenue and so we wanted to be incredibly mindful of that and so we were like what better way to 
just directly give back to an organization that impacts us so much in our community so much is to have the ticket sales go from at the time our our venue the Fox Theater in Redwood City share the the revenue the proceeds of those ticket sales directly with Music for Minors which is a oh, nonprofit awesome. organization that delivers music education to schools in the Bay Area who have potentially lost that programming due to budget concerns or staffing or anything like that. So we were incredibly proud to be able to do that and begin that partnership with them. And that progressed in warranting the ticket sales and not just because of attendance concerns, but our fans and our audience were excited to contribute in that way, right? We also wanted to make sure, and this is kind of a sensitive subject and one that I have spoken with several PR teams about in the the corporate world, but is this was not about a concert where any of these groups or by extension, their parent companies were Mm -hmm. making money. That was absolutely not what was happening. And we wanted to make that abundantly clear that this was all proceeds, 100% going to one of these organizations. And This was not Lindsay making profits. This was not (laughs) any, you know, of these corporations being seen as like this side business that they were doing, like Mm -hmm. absolutely not. So it was really important that we went down that path. And and now we have the privilege of being able to share a sizable amount of donations at the end of Tecapella with both Music for Minors, as well as the Conservatory of Music in San Francisco. They've been a very generous, essentially in-kind donor. They allow us to use their mm-hmm. beautiful venue. Yeah, I saw um, that. that. And I didn't realize that that's where that was. I thought, is that by one of the companies? Or And then I think you had mentioned it, I think, pretty early on mm-hmm. um, in, in the showcase. And I was like, that is so cool. Absolutely. So beautiful absolutely. venue. It's so gorgeous. The acoustics are to die for. And so it was really important to us that we you know, showed our gratitude there and that we were giving back directly to the students who were a part of the conservatory. Awesome. So I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about community engagement, but you mentioned something that is piquing my interest. So you talked about how you guys were in no place to be raising revenue. <laughs> now, I know that in 2019, there was a huge step forward for Tecapella in that Tecapella is no longer just a group of community members jamming together, but it is now officially a nonprofit 501c3 organization. So congratulations. How has this benefited Tecapella? There are a couple things that have really been beneficial for us. I would say one, it has legitimized our group in some ways. And I'm hoping, at least my intention, and I hope this is what has come across, is that by going down the path of nonprofit versus, you know, an LLC or another type of corporation, we are signaling to our fans and to anybody who's interested in us that we are entirely here for our community and not here as a for-profit business. So that was incredibly important to me. The other thing it allows us to do is just set up the formal processes, the legitimate, you know, approved tax processes, revenue streams, so that we could effectively continue to pay for the things that we needed to pay for to run the show, either venue fees or if we were renting Mm -hmm. any equipment, things like that. And then all the remaining proceeds are still going to our partners like the Conservatory of Music, like Music for Minors. Exactly. But we were doing it on the up and up. Uh, Hopefully Mm -hmm. that, that definitely comes across. And it allows us to start an official business and budget conversation and how do we be fiscally responsible and how do we make sure that if we are starting to ask for donations from any of our fans and to become patrons, again, we can do that responsibly with housing the money and giving people receipts so that they can, you know, put that in their tax returns and we're tracking it for all the right purposes. And it just, it made a lot of sense so that we weren't in a position of of putting ourselves at risk for reasons that we weren't going down intentionally, but that could come back and, and really cause problems uh, with how big right, we right. were getting. Right. I actually, I want, you, I want you to know, I actually wrote down why a nonprofit, why not another different kind of corporation. But it has become abundantly clear to me during this conversation that a 501c3 nonprofit is the most appropriate type of corporation for Tecapella. I mean, the passion for community and well-being, and it's very clear that Tecapella, from my perspective at least, is very mission-focused. 
Oh, so so I want to, I want to commend you on that. Yeah, I, I have a nonprofit background. That was what I specialized in in grad school. And I actually worked with a nonprofit for five years. And I worked with another nonprofit like on a contract basis for several years. And I just I love the nonprofit sector. And so I'm slightly geeking out here talking about 501 C3s. Well, I can tell you, so, and I'm sure you know, that process was no joke. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I'm sure it was not. So way to go. I mentioned I wanted to come back to talking about community engagement in acapella. So in previous episodes on the show, Brian and I with other guests have talked about the importance of community in acapella and getting involved in your community. I feel like from this conversation that that is a big priority for Techapella. So can you tell me why this is important to you, why it's important to Techapella and what goals you have for future community engagement with with Techapella? Totally. It's important to me and I would say that this is probably the experience of a lot of other Techapella members. I found my tribe with my acapella group. They are my people forever and ever. I have made some of my best friends being in this acapella group. And it is such a way, such an amazing way to express myself in a way that's different than I would either in my work setting, my professional setting, that I would with my other friend group or other people that I hang out with. And it's yeah, it's it's just my people. And sometimes you come into it already knowing that because maybe mm-hmm. you were a music kid in high school and college or you're just part of a musical family or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you come into it being really green and, and just realizing that this group of people is, is so welcoming and obviously incredibly biased. But I feel like the music <laughs> community and acapella specifically is just the most welcoming of oh, anyone. Oh, totally, totally. You, you could be any age, you could be any demographic, you could have any experience level, you could be in any type of professional career, and it's just, you're welcome here. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's that's so beautiful. So for me, I, I hope other people have also found their tribe. And from what I've seen, I think that's true. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure so many people could attest to that and would agree that you, you've got that spot on. I love hearing that because, I mean, the acapella world is growing. And acapella is, I think, a huge example of that. So again, I want to commend you on all of your efforts and all of your success that you've that you've achieved with Techapella. We could talk, I mean, I, I say this every episode, <laughs> I have more questions, but we are unfortunately at a spot where we need to take our second and final commercial break, but don't go anywhere because we are going to turn the tables and have a different kind of fun on our final segment tonight on Techapella. Did you know that many of our shows are available as podcasts too? Nearly a dozen different acapella podcasts can be found on the Acaville Podcast Network at podcast.acaville.org. You can even sign up for the combo feed and you'll get the latest episodes of all the Acaville podcasts in your podcast app right when they're fresh. From Tacapella to Competition Countdown to The Spotlight and Recording Acapella, there's always new acapella content at podcast.acaville.org. Thanks for sticking with us. We are here on our final segment of the evening with Lindsay Alford from Tecapella, and we are about to jump into some rapid fire questions. So, Lindsay, are you ready? I hope so. 10 questions. Answer as quickly as you can. And it's just a way for us to get to know you in a little bit different of a way. All right, let's go. So question, question number one is pretty tame. What was the last book you read? Ooh, so the most recent book I read, I'm actually currently reading a book called God by Riza Aslan. And it's, as he calls it, the human history of how we've built God in our image, which is really oh. fascinating um, if you are into religious history. And mm-hmm. I, I would highly recommend it. Very cool. Question number two, what is your most embarrassing acapella performance? Oh my goodness. Or uh, maybe, or experience maybe, performance or experience. Most embarrassing acapella experience. I would probably say this, it was definitely sometime in high school when we had like a concert choir or madrigals in high okay. school. If anybody knows what that is, it's essentially, it's old school acapella, like chamber choir mm-hmm. acapella, mm-hmm. except for you wear like Renaissance costumes, which is <laughs> awesome, but also really embarrassing. So like when you perform at the Renaissance <laughs> festival, it makes a lot of sense, right? You fit in. Okay. okay. But then yeah, when yeah, you yeah, go yeah. and do this performance, like when, you know, high schools go and do music trips to other states uh-huh. to do competitions and we're 
we're the only group in like renaissance gear and everybody else is in like suits or robes or something and we're just like oh my god this is so embarrassing (laughs) oh my gosh that's great I love it question number three cats or dogs both I love all animals I currently have a cat though okay totally fair I have three upstairs and then I (laughs) I I was gonna say and then I have another pet but it's my husband he's he's great Um, and and they they love yeah oh yeah yeah. I think (laughs) the cat definitely loves my husband more than me now which I've really just finally let that go Mm. she loves us both but she sleeps next to him at night so I'm like Mm. all right fine I know I know who feeds you we have we have two boys and and one girl and the girl she ugly cries when I leave the room that is heartbreaking but also like Amy (laughs) but yeah but or when I get in the shower like I shut the curtain and she starts ugly crying and I'm like, I'm right here. It's so funny. Animals are such characters. I love Okay, what is your go-to karaoke song? Ooh, so I get asked this a lot. I feel it's a really common like acapella mm-hmm. icebreaker. I tend to do the same song for karaoke as I do for acapella auditions. Not that I've done that many. Oh, okay. But I love, love, love the Alana Miles song, Black Velvet. I think it's just such a good song and okay. it's like such a good alto song. Whereas like if you're oh. not gonna hit those like soprano, like Ariana Grande, yeah. it's quite nice. Well and I and I realize I think it's Dua Lipa is a really like solid alto too. Yes. Solid. If yeah. you don't want to throw it back to some Britney, then Dua Lipa absolutely oh, yeah. is in your yeah, yeah in your totally. wheelhouse. Totally. And I mean altos. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I could tell I could tell when you started talking, so I was like, yes. <laughs> Represent. Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm actually what we call a lady base. So. Oh, we have yes. a lady base in Gugapella. She is fantastic. Ooh. She used to sing Lady Bass for her group at mm-hmm. Duke. So lovely. That's so awesome. I I love Lady Bass. Anyway, since it's November, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, what is the first food item that goes on your plate at Thanksgiving dinner? Oh my gosh, this is so weird, but (laughs) I love sauerkraut. And I don't know where it came from because as far as I know, nobody in my family lineage is like, Polish or of any of that, you know, region oh. descent. It's just this family tradition. Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah. We've had, apparently okay. my great grandmother served sauerkraut and there's the same serving okay. dish that's been passed down from generation to generation. Wow. And so it's this weird tradition. There's always sauerkraut and I go for it first because when else are you going to eat sauerkraut <laughs> in the year? And that, that's my thing. Wow. I mean, you learn something new every day. I've never, that would have never even occurred to me. No. Okay. Question number six. Where did you go on your last vacation? Ooh, I haven't done a whole lot of ball out vacations, obviously, since mm-hmm. the pandemic. Oh, COVID. But we did, for the first time, my husband and I got on a plane and we went to visit my best friend lives in Portland. Hey, Marns. And <laughs> her and her husband just recently moved up there from the Bay okay, Area. Okay. And so we went okay. to go visit them, see their new house, hang out, eat all the food because Portland is a great food city. It was wonderful. Oh, totally. That's awesome. What is your favorite genre of music to perform? Ooh. I mean, the late 90s, early 2000s, like pop, uh-huh. R&B, like how can you go uh-huh. wrong? You know, oh, totally, it's just totally. everything's a freaking banger and the audience loves it. And it's what it's like that genre of music where it doesn't have to be perfect either. It mm-hmm. just needs to be oh, totally. party music. And that's so much fun. And I was going to say, and, and nobody's going to care if it's not perfect. No, no, absolutely not. Because, fact- oh yeah, because they're singing along <laughs> at the same time. Like, I guess this mm-hmm. is if we have anybody who is of a certain generation, we might have some audience members who are just like, this is old school. And then like, we're all going to be really offended. But I think that's the best. No, I- oh, for sure. Love it. Love it. Question number eight. Yep. What song or artist is your guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure. I don't know. I have no guilt around music. Like, (laughs) if you like it, just freaking play it. I I would probably say the one that, like, maybe is the most cringeworthy for other people if they're around is the massive amount of, like, NSYNC and Backstreet Boys that I still play. Oh, that's not not cringeworthy. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's cringeworthy because, again, like, no shame whatsoever. But I think, like, at a certain point, my husband and my friends and family are just like, can you listen to something else? Like, please. (laughs) Fun fact. So I, I live in Utah, and in August next year, Backstreet Boys are coming on tour. 
and I have every intention of going. Can so. I tell you, the there were several girls from Gugapella who in April uh -huh. of 2019, pre-pandemic, went to Vegas to see their residency. The single greatest trip I think we've all been on. Like one, uh, Vegas is like a, a lovely I disaster. Love and <laughs> Backstreet Boys were so good. We made jean jackets with like puffy paint. Oh and like my gosh. matching. They pointed us out. We have videos. Steven oh Tyler gosh, yes. showed up at this show. Shut like, up. Yeah, it was like absolutely ridiculous. It was freaking magical, and like I cannot have anyone tell me that like it wasn't one of the greatest shows they've ever seen, and it was oh a boy band from the nineties. I'm so jealous, so <laughs> jealous. All right, question number nine. I have to ask because you work at Google. What was your last Google search? I can tell you. <laughs> I, I actually don't. You know what it probably was, and this is this is a fun, embarrassing fact about me. I am a terrible speller. I just oh, okay. Spell check has ruined it for me. Like I'm so glad for it because it saves my life. But also, mm -hmm. I can't spell to save my life. Two C's, one C, two M's, one M. Like I have no idea. So I guarantee you, my I was last search. Tecapella, one P. Right. Yeah. No. I tell me about it. It is my legacy of embarrassment here. So I. I feel pretty sure my last search was probably how to spell something. <laughs> Love it. Okay, question number 10, the most cringeworthy question of the night. Uh, Would you rather replace your bathroom with a music festival porta potty or open your bathroom to the public 24 seven? Can I ask a clarifying question? Sure, sure. Is my house located in the place that it actually is? And will there be additional signage pointing the public to said bathroom? For purposes of the question, I will say that your bathroom is located where you currently live. And yes, there are public restroom signs. I would still, you know what? I would still go with that answer. Open my bathroom to the public. You are a brave woman. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> unless you got that like VIP wristband for outside lands bathrooms, mm. like mm -hmm. there's, there's no way in hell I would replace my bathroom <laughs> <laughs> Not okay, even a I, chance. I, and there you have it. And there you have it. That is 10 rapid fire questions with Lindsay. Lindsay, we like to wrap up our show by giving our listeners something they can take away with them and remember. So we ask our guests to give our listeners some advice about any anything that's on your mind, acapella related or not. So if you had to give advice to someone, what would it be? Just start. I wish I had internalized a lot earlier. I am absolutely guilty of letting perfect get in the way of good. And I hate that phrase so much only because it like sings my whole life. Just start. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the answers. There will be people in your corner if you show your passion for whatever it is, a work project, a personal project, a relationship, any of these things, like just if you're willing to be that little bit of vulnerable and not having all the answers yet, you are going to go further and faster and better than you will if you don't do it at all. So just don't be afraid to start. This thing you've been simmering on, just do it. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much. And Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on our show. You have opened up my mind to a totally different aspect of acapella that I only dreamed about discussing one day on the show. So I just really love, I loved learning about you and loved learning about Tecapella. It has been such a pleasure. And if our guests want to learn more about you or more about Tecapella or its member groups and what they're up to, where can they go? Well, in true tech fashion, we are on every platform. <laughs> so I would be remiss if I didn't say Google search us, but direct access to our website is techapella.org, one P, two L's. You can email me directly, lindsay at techapella.org. Find us on YouTube, find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram. We are there. And I am committing to all of you that as we start to shape the future of Techapella, you know, this year and next year and beyond, we will continue to update those platforms, which are maybe a little 2019 heavy, but we will update <laughs> those platforms to, to be more future looking. And we invite anyone who's interested to shoot us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, you can always find me on Instagram at e.squared1989, but be sure to check out Tacapella on Twitter. That's Tacapella, two P's, two L's, not to be confused with Tacapella. <laughs> and you can always go to our website, tacapella.org, to listen to a pr to any previous episodes. We want to thank Acaville Radio for giving us this incredible platform to talk about the world that is acapella that we love and meet with artists and individuals like Lindsay 
who are making a difference in the acapella world. That is a wrap on tonight's episode, and for everything else, stay tuned. <laughs>